before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. You're about to listen to a special preview edition of The Endgame featuring my co-host Bill Fleckenstein and our very special guest Harley Bassman of Simplify Asset Management. This conversation addresses two crucial aspects of any possible endgame, namely volatility and interest rates, as we pick apart the current environment and look for clues as to how each of these powerful forces are likely to affect asset markets in the coming months. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, The Super Terrific Happy Hour, and The Narrative Game, is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Hmm. So, if you enjoy what you hear on the show and you want more high-quality content like it, please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And with that, please enjoy the show. Harley, welcome to the Endgame. Thanks for taking the time to join us on a Sunday morning, no less. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. You're looking, uh, you're looking a lot more dapper than Bill and I for this time on a Sunday morning. I have to say. Well, I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be audio or video, so I actually combed my hair and uh, and uh, clean myself up. So uh, here we go. <laughs> the, the, the few hairs I do have are in place. <laughs> Excellent, excellent. Well, and it's, listen, it, it takes a, it takes a team of nine wranglers to get Bill's hair in place, so uh, <laughs> you, you've got that all over him. Well, look, um, look, so much to talk about, and uh, you know, we're, we're so thrilled to have you on. Bill and I have been looking forward to this for a long time now, and you know, I, I guess um, as we've gone through this journey, uh, kind of contemplating all various kinds of end games, there are a couple of things that that keep coming up and keep coming back as as something that a lot of people are wary of and watching and see as potential triggers and they are volatility and higher rates and you know these are two fields where you have a a, a great pedigree and have spoken so eloquently about it in, in various places so we thought this was a great opportunity to get you on and and talk about those so if we're going to get inflation out of this and we certainly have it now the belief is uh, amongst the vast majority of investors as near as i can tell is that inflation will be transitory obviously that's the fed's tune so it seems to me that the really crucial question is, potentially, it's not so much will there be inflation, it seems to me like what will it take for market participants to decide that inflation is actually a problem? Because if that then happens, it makes it almost impossible for the rates to stay where they are or for the Fed to continue any sort of monetization scheme because they're just pouring gasoline on a fire then. And I've been struck at how sort of clear the inflation case is for so many people, and yet they refuse to believe it. And you can see it with the 10-year at whatever it is, 140-ish today, around there somewhere. And the current rate of inflation is whatever it is, four, five, eight, whatever. It's here and present, but people seem to think it's going to vanish. And if that psychology starts to change, then the Fed is in real trouble. And sorry to go on so long, but um, so I guess my question to you is, why do you think the vast majority of investors seem to buy the transitory story and want to look through this problem? Is it simply because 
half the world was born after 1980 and they've never seen it? Well, respectfully, I think the core to your argument is, um, is totally flawed. You're assuming that there's a relationship between interest rates and inflation. Why? Yes, I am. Yeah, I'm not. Okay. See, that's, that's, that's the whole point. Like, like, I will stipulate you were right on the inflation, that it's not transitory. We can talk about that for a while. But so let's just say we will get over 3% inflation as printed by CPI, which I don't believe in. But nonetheless, let's- Neither do I, the, but that's okay. We will have a three-handle you know, going forward for some amount of time. Okay. But why do rates have to go up? The Fed can keep them down. They, they kept them down, you know, post-World War II. Yes. Um, and maybe that is what the plan is. They will just buy, like, like Japan, they'll just buy the bonds and balance sheet them and keep rates at one, one and a half. Even if we have 4% inflation, you'll have a massive negative rate. That, that, that's really the question here is, is, is that once you break the linkage of inflation to rates, you know, a whole lot of things are possible. Now, the answer I think is this. Let's say they have the three or four handle inflation. Let's say the Fed or the government or someone, I mean, the government could do it by demanding that banks buy treasuries. They could force banks to do that because they're regulated yeah, entities. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. So there's a whole lot of ways for people, for the government to keep rates at the current levels if they want to. So what happens then, the other side of the balloon gets squishy, which means currency devaluation possibly, we, we don't become the reserve currency of the world anymore, which seems unlikely, but whatever, there's a whole other host of things that could play out where you keep a massive negative interest, real interest rate, which is unclear. But the usual usual game, if we weren't the world's reserve currency, yes. we'd, have a, we'd have a devaluation. Right, yeah. so but, but we are. Uh, so now, let, me, yeah. let, let me push back on that a little bit. I can see easily how there could be a disconnect between rates and inflation for some time like we're seeing now. But to me, there has to be some reason for that, not simply because the Fed wants it there. We've, we've seen throughout our careers periods in time where the market kind of got fooled by what was going on. And then the, the quote unquote market or people changed their mind. And what the Fed wants doesn't matter at all. Yeah, they might be able to pin some aspect of the curve, but it would seem to me that if psychology has changed and the market is saying, look, we don't trust you guys, who's going to sit there idly by buying these coupons when they know they're getting beat and they're aware of being beat? I mean, maybe it blows up in the high yield market because spreads blow out due to inflation, not due to credit. I don't know, but it, I don't think we can presuppose that simply because the Fed wants the rates there, they can, they can have them be there for as long as they want them to be. I think they can keep them there for a very long time, but just take your logic and keep going on. What will happen elsewhere? They can't control everything. Correct. Like you have Correct. Three degrees of freedom. Yeah. You can control yes. two of them. Yes. Um, yes. Well, what, what, you, what you, initially what you see when you have inflation like that is the stock market goes up because when you own a stock, you own a claim on a real asset, a real producing entity. And, and by the way, if you go look at uh, Weimar Germany, when you know, the pictures of people with wheelbarrows full of money, if you owned the German stock index at the time and just kept it for the whole time of inflation, you did okay. Mm -hmm. Because the stock market went up as the currency went down because you had a claim on a real business, uh, which is kind of amazing. But so stocks initially do well. Uh, you could see, we're always seeing housing prices explode higher. People buying lumber or I mean like forestry. So, I mean, I think that's what might happen is you're gonna see real assets continue to rise in value as the currency devalues locally, locally being in our borders, not relative, because other countries are also devaluing. 
So what you're sort of suggesting is the release valve, so to speak, rather than being treasuries going down, uh, obviously it could be the currency going down, but it could also be other assets just going up a ton. Yep. Yeah, yeah, sure. But circling back to the idea of, let's just say there is some kind of relationship between interest rates and inflation. Okay. Okay. What does that mean? Let me two topics. Page five shows the labor force growth rate versus interest rates. And I would propose this is actually going to be what drives infl- uh, interest rates in the next five years. COVID and everything else is kind of lit a match for you know money printing, but I think this is going to happen no matter what. And what you saw historically was the inflation and the high rates we had in the 70s and 80s was not because of money printing or going off the gold standard per se, but was this pig in the python, baby boom generation moving through the economy. And as they hit age 30, 35, right, in years, you know, 1975 to 85, they're buying houses, they're having babies, they're buying cars, they're buying washing machines, they're all this spending, and they're demanding these goods from the smaller World War II generation. Thus, you got inflation. What's going to happen and what's been happening now is the boomers, as they go through life, their spending patterns change. In the next five years, what you're going to see is the boomers will retire at a slower rate because, well, once they retire, they're retired. And the millennials get married at an older age than we did. And they have kids at an older age than we did. And we're going to see this inflection of the millennials entering the workforce and demanding goods and the boomers who are supplying the goods reducing, and that should take rates up a little bit, not to 10%, but up three to four. Yeah, sure. Um, so I see that happening. So let's follow on with this idea of why do we care about this? This is on slide six. There is, these two slides are terrific. They don't prove a darn thing, but they do look pretty, they look nice. And what they show here is that when you get In the last 20 years, we've had a correlation of stocks to bonds where stocks up, bonds down, and vice versa. You could call that a negative correlation of bond price to stock price or a positive correlation of stock price to bond yield. So it gets confusing there when people talk about this because we have to do it stock price versus bond yield because you can't measure a bond because it's maturing all the time. But that's how the correlation is measured on these things. As long as inflation has been below two and a half, bond yields below four-ish, you've had a correlation where stocks and bonds hedge each other. What happens if inflation goes above two and a half or rates above four is bad things happen to good markets. Stocks yeah, risk, and risk, bonds, parity, risk parity goes to zero. <laughs> exactly. And, and when was the last two real big drawdowns? It was March a year ago. Stocks and bonds down together. And then December 2018, stocks and bonds down together. That's when the Fed like panicked and did everything when you have no self-hedging mechanism. My proposal is this. If rates go above four and if inflation goes above two and a half, a correlation of these two assets may flip back to what they were prior. And that would be a bad outcome for a highly levered financial economy. Will this happen? I don't know. What I do know is if it does happen, it's not going to be pretty. And thus, you know, I've tried to create ideas and strategies that will be fire insurance in case a fire happens. Remember, you, you don't buy fire insurance because your house is going to burn down. It's because it might burn down, even those very small yeah. odds. 
Right. And so I view this correlation, flipping the correlation as being the number one risk in the market, uh, which may not happen, but if it does, it's going to be The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com. Nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.